University Church senior pastor. And uh, um, the younger people say, quit saying senior pastor, just say lead pastor, you're not that old. So I let them get away with that. I, I heard some, a um, little bit of alarming news, one of our members, apparently their passwords were hacked. Isn't that awful when that happens? Uh, but the saddest part to me was they had to change their dog's name. So that, you know, <laughs> if, if we could just have prayer for that family right now. I heard that the other day. I just cracked up because I don't want to tell you my passwords to my things. All right. <laughs> it's great when a pastor goes uh, live on uh, Internet and tells everybody what his password is, isn't it? So, well, bless your hearts today. We're so glad you're here. Hey, would you turn with me this morning to the book of Luke? And while you're turning there, we um, have been on a series called Grateful People. It's very interesting to me that um, it's not moving on me, guys. I tried to put it on the title slide. There we go. Go to the first slide. Can you do it? Is it locking us out? I love technology, Jesus. Thank you. We're just thankful. We're just thankful for everything in our life, Lord. We're thankful. The first slide, the first slide. Thank you, Father, for Apple computers, even though I'm an Android guy. Father, we thank you. <laughs> thank you for all those nerdy tech guys that have invented the Apple computer. Father, we thank you. As they say it's the most creative computer because when you get up to do something, you have to be creative to get it to work. All right, come on. <laughs> I'm going to lay hands suddenly on... It says... Lay hadn't suddenly on no man, but didn't say anything about your iPad. <laughs> so let's see what we can. I do not know why this is. There we go. I'm so grateful. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard living in America. We have such hard things to deal with. We're blessed people, aren't we? Well, I've totally been shut off now on my laptop guys so I know you're dealing with a bunch of other stuff back there but if we could focus on up here go to the second slide now this is the last Sunday of this particular series but you know gratitude really sweeps through the course of a Christian life of everybody's life that when Jesus comes into your life you become grateful but I want to talk today about why are we a grateful people and it's interesting to me that we began this year stating to you that we wanted this year to be all about Jesus. Yeah? And here we are beginning to come to the end of 2019. And interestingly enough, it's still all about Jesus. We're a grateful people because of Jesus. We began the year because it was all about Jesus. We're going to end this year because it's all about Jesus. The Bible says he is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And everything in between. Why are we a grateful people? It's because of Jesus. And I hope today, if, as we break this out, that you'll hear in your heart why Jesus is your Savior, why he's your Lord, why he is King of Kings, why heaven was rent and he came to earth and heaven began to rejoice over that birth of Jesus, the angels broke out. People on earth even saw into heaven as the angels sang, peace on earth, 
goodwill has been brought to man through that little baby Jesus. And so this morning, Jesus was born. He lived. He died. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. And he wants to speak to us today out of the book of Luke and, and the rest of the Bible today. But in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 18, we find the very first words that Jesus officially and publicly said to the earth. This is his first message. Susie and I got to be in that little synagogue in Nazareth. And it's, it's very humble. It's just a little bigger probably than the manger he was born in. Jesus started in a very humble human place and impacted the universe from there. <laughs> Pretty amazing. How powerful he can be that God is big in the little things, that he can take ordinary things like you and me and change the world, impact the world. And he said these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's reading out of the book of Isaiah. They had a, their Sabbath service and people would read and they chose him to read and he turned in the scroll to the book of Isaiah, right smack dab into actually Isaiah 61 in the middle of Isaiah, the book, and he read this portion of scripture. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are pressed, to proclaim this year is the year of the Lord's favor. Wow. He dropped the mic, he sat down. <laughs> He'd made his point. And all the eyes of the synagogue turned to him as they're looking at him and going, well, you stopped that right in the middle of a thought and you sat down and they turned and looked at him and they fixed their eyes on him as he said, this day this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today, in our hearing, you're fulfilling this scripture yet even again today. That, Father, you want to set the captives free. You want to give us a life of liberty, Father. A life of freedom from pain and sin and heartache, oh, Father. That you want to, oh, God, hmm, set anyone who's still captive free today. Father, I pray for a miracle that every ear and every heart that's here Here's a special word just for them, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Uh, last week, Tony, Pastor Tony did such an awesome job. He preached on the miraculous sacrifice of Jesus. Oh, we can be so grateful that Jesus did that. It was so essential for our eternal life and just even an abundant life. And so we're thankful for that. So we're a grateful people. And I want to tell you a story along the lines of what we just read. It's all about Jesus. And it's out of the book of Acts, chapter 16, and you don't have to turn there. If I had a title for today's message, it'd be Jailhouse Rock. 
those of you who don't know me don't know how spiritual I can really get in the Lord. I'm quite spiritual. And um, in this story, Jesus not only impacted the world, but he put himself in us. He said, I must go away that I can send my presence, my Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, back into your life. And it's to your advantage I go away because I'm only one entity here. But if I die and raise again, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will indwell you and give you power from on high to represent me as me everywhere you go. And he multiplied himself exponentially when he did that. And so one of the reasons we're most grateful is because Jesus actually chose to inhabit us, to live with us. I mean, you and I have some relatives we wouldn't want to live with. But Jesus hasn't met a man or woman he doesn't desire to live with. You're his creation. He's created you to be his temple, his house. And he's prepared you and made you specifically to feel uncomfortable with anything else living in you but him. I mean, that's why you feel this emptiness when you don't have Jesus or why you're still trying to fill your life with things. And you try, and for a while, it's like company after three days. They're like fish. It begins to stink. You know, it just doesn't work in your life. You know, things have come into your life, and you feel good. You know, it's really symbolic a lot of times of a child at Christmas time. You can't wait for Christmas Day to come. You can't hardly sleep the night before, most of you, I'm sure. I was that way. And you jump up early to wrap and unwrap that gift you've been waiting for in, in your little mind all your life. And I don't know if you've ever gotten that once-in-a-lifetime gift every year. <laughs> and where is it now? In fact, where is it two weeks after Christmas? Did it really fulfill that longing in your soul? Well, now next Christmas might be better. My birthday's still coming, you know. Summertime will come. It's always something out there that might finally fulfill us. And what we find is we are created to be the dwelling place and to feel fulfilled with just one thing in here, and it's Jesus. And then once he comes in and fulfills us, then everything's a bonus. And they're exciting and fun, and I love dogs, and I love golf, and I love watching football on TV, and I'm even rooting for BSU. I mean, it's just the way we are. But I'm not fulfilled because of all my circumstances. I'm not fulfilled because I've got a house or don't have a house, because things are going well or not going well, or because it should have snowed today instead of rained. I'm glad it didn't snow, but it, it you know. What really fulfills us when it comes right down to it? Well, it's all about Jesus. And once he's in my life, I'm thankful then in everything. Because everywhere I go, he's there. And what more do I need? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I shall not lack. I shall not want. I'm his sheep and the sheep of his pasture. I'm his kid. And once you have that in your spirit and know that he is a rock that will never change, hmm, there's fulfillment in that. Well, so Jesus sent his Holy Spirit upon his people, and one in particular was a real tough nut to crack. His name was Saul of Tarsus. And Saul was a religious guy that was really 
brilliant. He was bright. He was active. He had so much energy. I, I know he was ADHD. I know Paul was. His mom pulled her hair out with this kid. I know she did. Dad wore the two-by-four out on him. I mean, it's just, Paul was just a force to be reckoned with. And before Christ met him, he was very zealous for God to get rid of all the Jesus followers. And on his way to really do some damage to a group of Christians in Damascus, God met him, and he had an encounter, and it became in Paul's life all about Jesus. And Paul became a flaming fire for the Lord, and he began to share the gift of Jesus with everybody everywhere he went. Well, he grabbed a, another partner at one point by the name of Silas, and they went to a, a region of Greece uh, along the Aegean Sea called Macedonia. God had called them to that, and they began to make their way through Macedonia, preaching the good news of Jesus, sharing their stories. And they came to the city of Philippi. And in Philippi, they dwelt many days, and they would go down by the river. I don't know that's a good song, going down to the river to pray. It may have come from this scripture. But they would go very regularly to the river, and a, a number of the believers would meet there, or Paul and Silas would just pray by themselves. But they had prayer time down there. And every day they went to prayer, there was, uh, Philippi was a major center of Macedonia. It was a very influential city. In fact, it was a Roman colony, not just a Roman outpost for the soldiers. It was a colony for many Roman citizens. It was a very influential place. And so Paul landed there because God was doing something influential in the world. But there was some interesting color commentary to Philippi. They had these guys that had found this young girl that was a, an amazing soothsayer. She could speak into people's life and even predict the future, so to speak. She had a spirit, they called it, of divination. Well, she locked on to Paul and Silas and began to speak in this, in this spirit. Behold, the men of God who have been sent, you know. Behold, these are the men of God sent by Jesus. You know, they, he just, she just, every day she would just proclaim it as, and follow them and yell this at them. And, and at first, Paul and Silas were probably kind of intrigued by this. It's like, gosh, this kind of witchy thing going on as predict it's who we are and they put up with it day after day but finally it just wore Paul out and in frustration he turned and he said evil spirit get out of her right now and it left and she became a normal person and her masters who owned her began to freak because she was a source of a lot of money People would pay her to tell them and read their palms or tell them their future, talk to a dead grandmother. I don't know. They, they would pay her for this. And all of a sudden they realized the money train had dried up because of this guy, Paul and Silas, who were Jewish guys who were disrupting the city. And they got so mad about the loss of their money, they went and grabbed Paul and Silas and threw them before the magistrates and said, these guys are disruptors of our city. They've come here to turn us upside down and they're Jewish, they're not like us, they're not of us. And they've just ruined my business. And the magistrates, along with the rest of the crowd, kind of got into a gang momentum mentality and they stripped the shirts right off Paul and Silas and they began to beat them with rods. And it says with many strokes they beat them. They were so mad at what these guys had done, and the crowd got behind it. 
And the magistrates grabbed him after they beat him, and they took him to their jail, and they told the jailer, on your life, you watch these guys, and you take care of them. And they gave him to the jailer, and the jailer was so freaked by the intensity of the moment, seeing that these guys had been hugely beaten. Obviously, they're a big problem. He didn't just put them in his regular jail. He threw them into the inner jail because he was so concerned about the edict. Don't lose sight of these guys. And, and then he tied their legs in stocks to the facility, the edifice of this jail. And of course, all this took place in those cultures before it got dark. So it might have been around 6, 7 o'clock. They finally get thrown in there. They've been beaten. They've been stripped. And I don't know if you've ever put yourself into this story, if you've ever heard it before. But I've thought about what it would be like if God told me to go somewhere. I'm doing his work, me and my buddy, and we're doing good things. And because of this calling, the wheels have just fallen off our ministry. I mean, literally, tragedy has struck, and they're in the most dismal condition you can be in. And I know as a pastor, I'd be going, oh, should I have gotten upset at that girl? Was that a fleshly thing I did? God, boy, I blew that. I probably should have just let her keep. Maybe, it, maybe you sent her, God. Maybe she, you know, maybe you're using evil for good. I, I did it out of frustration. I maybe shouldn't have. What are they thinking? Should we be in Philippi? Did we really hear the voice of God? Man, Lord, uh, if, if we were in the center of your will, would be we in the center of this mess? Have you ever done that? You know, life starts going south, and so you start questioning everything about it. I'm, I'm laughing, thinking about when we played football at U of I, we would have prayer before every game. And after a while, we started praying, Father, let not look at the scoreboard, but there's other things in life to look at. You know, and, but I realized in every loss, it made us question everything. We were looking at our socks. Or are we wearing the right cleats? I mean, when you lose, you analyze everything. It's one positive thing. It keeps you humble, that's for sure. But in your Christian walk, you begin to question when things go south. And if it's not your fault, it's God's fault. Well, I don't want to go there. A good Christian doesn't blame God. But what if it's not your fault? Is it God's fault? But one of the most amazing things about this story is Paul and Silas obviously are having trouble sleeping because at midnight they began to do something. And this is really intriguing to me because I go, would I do this? They're obviously so uncomfortable. They've been beaten. They're in this dank, stinky place. You know it wasn't. They didn't have television and, you know, yard privileges. And, I mean, it was awful. And it's pitch dark. And I was laughing. I was thinking, did Paul bring Silas along because he was the worship leader? You know, I could see Paul preaches. Silas does the singing, you know. <laughs> I never thought about that, what Silas's role was. But they began to pray around midnight in this pitch black, dank place. And then they began to sing hymns and praises to the Lord. Whew. 
And then the Bible says this, and the other prisoners were listening in. Now, you see a lot of prison movies where they tell the guy to shut up, quit playing his harmonica, quit crying, whatever. You know, the other prisoners are trying to go to sleep. and yell. This wasn't the case. These desperate human beings, for a multitude of reasons, were in jail, were in captivity. And things weren't going great for them either, right? Sophia, I, I can't pull it out of the air. You have won me. Can you just, so picture, it's pitch dark. And these prisoners start to hear. Jesus, you have won me. You've broken every chain with love and mercy. You have triumphed over death and you are worthy of glory and praise. Jesus, you have won me. You have broken every chain with love and mercy. You have triumphed over death and you are worthy of glory and praise. Would that touch your heart? And they're listening in. Thank you, Sophia. They're starting to lean in because they're starting to get ministered to. I'm convinced that they're hearing my chains are natural, but there's a spiritual thing going on in my heart that's wounded me. There's a an emotional thing that happened to me, and that's why I'm here, and God, I'm really enslaved to my behavior, to my character, to my attitude, because God, I've been here before. It just keeps repeating. It's like a broken record. God, I've been in jail before. I can't seem to break it. God, it's, I've got the same problem over and over and over. When am I going to grow up? When am I going to change? God, I can't. I'm captive. I'm enslaved to this thing. But I'm hearing in the deepest, darkest night of my life, in the middle of the stink comes a beautiful aroma of praise and thanks. And all of a sudden, the jailhouse starts to rock. See, we enter through the gates of the Lord with thanksgiving and right into his presence with praise. The Bible says that heaven is God's throne, but the earth is his footstool. And Paul and Silas began to enter into the spirit realm, into the presence of the Lord. And they were no longer prisoners. They were no longer stinking slaves. They were no longer anything but beautiful children of God. And they came into the presence of God unencumbered by their chains, unencumbered by their circumstances. You see, when you have Jesus, you have everything. Apart from him, we can do nothing but with him. We can do all things, for nothing is impossible with my Jesus. And for that, I have reasons to begin to thank and praise him in the midst of the worst of storms, in the midst of the worst of my jail sentences, in the midst of the worst mistakes I've ever made. Is Jesus sacrificing himself for my mistakes, erasing and eradicating the smell of my past life, 
And I begin to see and feel and smell and hear things differently. And these beautiful prisoners were being lit up by the voices of two men who pulled the Jesus out of their hat, who pulled their Jesus out of their hearts and overwhelmed their circumstances with their thanks. In the midst of all their questions and doubts and fears and discomfort and pain, out of their miry clay, God set their feet a-dancing. Somebody once said that their song was so beautiful, God began to just tap his feet. And they just started rocking in heaven, and it just started. You could just see them breaking out in heaven. Yeah, ho, yeah, ha, yeah. Come on, Paul. Come on, Silas. Go, man. Yeah, ho, ha, woo, yay. Started, and all of a sudden, the band starts playing. The music starts coming. Here they go, yeah. And all of heaven just dancing. Yeah, baby. This is called the high praises of God. The high praises of God come when you are at your lowest. When you're at your lowest, that's when your praises ascend to the highest level. And they begin to praise and worship in heaven. You know Oh, they rocked heaven that night. It was the best worship service that any church ever had. And the jail began to rock until their shackles fell off. Every one of the prisoners, the prison doors flew open. The shackles came off and Jesus said, hmm, I came to set the captives free. I've came to say to those that you mourn that you can be joyful. For Jesus is, guys, go to the scripture that says Jesus is. For Jesus is that Isaiah scripture. Jesus is the comfort when we mourn. He's the beauty for our ashes. He begins to give us gladness and sorrow. Praise begins to emerge in our desperation. Joy comes out of the darkness And he's actually resurrection life in the midst of our dead world and dead life and dead families and dead destinies. God begins to bring alive all that you're supposed to be. And of course the jailer felt the earthquake and he was already high anxiety. And he goes running out in the middle of the night and he looks in the jail and he can see the outside door is just blown off its hinges. And he goes, oh... My God, they've escaped. Now, we can't really put ourselves in his shoes, but let me say this. What would bring you to kill yourself? The Bible says he pulls out his sword to kill himself, for he believed all the prisoners had been set free. So obviously, what's the consequence of this in his life? Where he is so lost at this point. If I don't die, they'll kill my family. What, what, what drove this man immediately to pull a sword? He was preloaded to not lose those prisoners in the most desperate way. And it says somehow Paul saw him or knew he was out there. Maybe he cried out. And Paul says, it says Paul with a loud voice says, Hey bro, we're still here. Don't, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. For you see, this jail doesn't keep us captive, but we've been set free. And the prisoners even stayed in the jail. That was really amazing. None of them bolted. Because they realized from the inside out, Jesus had just set them free already. Their circumstances became 
inconsequential at that point. Even the prisoners. And the jailer called for his help to bring torches, and they brought him in, and there they all were, shackles off their legs. Every door opened to the outside world, and they're all just sitting there, maybe with tears coming down their eyes. Sobered. And he grabbed Paul and Silas, and what's interesting is the Bible says God will give you the oil of joy for sorrow, and that jailer took Paul and Silas and he said, what must I do to be saved? And they began to tell him the good news. Huh. And the Bible says he and his entire family recognized the miracle of the sacrificial death of Jesus in their place. And now because of Jesus, through Paul, none of my family has to die. God literally saved me and my family's life. And we are so grateful to Jesus. And they baptized him. And he accepted Jesus along with his family. And then they allowed him to take care of their wounds. And he began to heal them and touch them and pour oil over their salving, hurtful wounds. Wow. God wants to take everything in this world that is harming, hurting, depressing you and allow you to pull Jesus out of your heart. And what is impossible for you is so in his job description. What's beyond you is within him. He can comfort you in your mourning. This scripture in Isaiah refers, and it says in the English Standard, that God wants to give you a beautiful headdress to those of you in Zion or church that are mourning. And that he wants to give you then also beauty for ashes. And in that culture, and you can read it in the book of Job, when he lost all his kids, the Bible said he just sat in ashes and they just cover their head with ashes. They sit with their legs crossed in the ash heap of their life. And they symbolically are saying, my life has just turned to ashes. And they begin to mourn. The Jewish people and the people of that region would just sit in ashes and mourn. And this scripture says, I'm going to take you that are doing that in the church, and I'm going to give you a priest's headdress. I'm going to lift you up and you'll go from the lowest to the highest because of me. I'll turn those ashes into the most beautiful promotion in your life. I will promote you out of these ashes. God wants to rock your jail today. He wants to rock your jail and give you comfort <laughs> and give you beauty and give you gladness give you praise in place of depression and desperation and give you joy out of darkness and give you resurrection life. Jesus wants to do that for you today. Now your situation in many cases will look impossible. 
But I got to tell you, for the last 50 some years, I haven't been serving Jesus because he's a wimp. I haven't been serving Jesus because he's just the best big guy I've ever met. If he's not God over these things, he's not strong enough to serve. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He can do the impossible beyond what you think he can do. He's the master. He's the savior. He's the prince of peace. He's the beginning and the end. He is God. He's God of the fiery furnace. He's God of the lion's den. He's God of all creation. He's God in the hearts of men. Little children, God is God. And you bring that impossible situation to him and see if he's not beyond equal to that task. Amen? Amen. It blows our mind to get around a God this powerful. But that which is impossible for you is possible. Are we like those disciples that are in the boat and the raging storm of the world is raging and Jesus seems asleep and you desperately call out for him with not great expectations, but you wake him up and the Bible says he stood up and he said, peace, be still. And it went from raging noise to... And the disciples said this, even the wind and waves of our life obey him. See, they, they didn't know how much Jesus was God, even over this earth, over every circumstance you have. He can rage against your storm and just say, peace, be still. I'd like the band to come up. I'll never forget one time in college I was sick and I had the chills so bad I felt like my whole bed was just doing this across the bedroom floor. And we had a poster up on our wall in the bedroom, Susie and I, and it, I don't remember what it said, but it was like Jesus in a boat. And I'm looking at it and I just said, Jesus. And all of a sudden I open my eyes and nothing's moving, nothing's shaking. Just like that. I mean, it's sad to say a believer of Jesus would go. Let me see how. I mean, okay, what just happened? Your jail can shake until your chains fall off. Your sorrow can be turned to joy. There is a time to sorrow. But when that time comes to an end, cry out to God and say, God, enough's enough. I'm ready. God, whenever you're ready, I'm ready for this storm to just stop in Jesus' name. If you don't know Jesus, it's okay. Maybe you've just never met him. If you don't know my Savior Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity of a lifetime right now to turn your life over to him and feel the peace that passes all understanding come into your heart and mind. That he'll take your average and turn it into the best. and He can take your storms and turn it into joy. He does this because he's God. He's just absolutely that good. I wonder if you'd consider becoming a follower of Jesus today and see if he won't release you from some prison of your life, some thing you're captive to. 
So those of you that have never accepted Jesus, I wonder if right now you could just pray with us and everybody, would you just bow your head with us and let's pray together with them and ask that this Jesus will come into your life. He's here right now within your grasp. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every heart that doesn't know you, that Lord, they've heard about you and that Father, now they'll find out for themselves that you want to be in their heart, you want to be in their life, not to meddle, not to mess them up, God, but to cure and make whole and bring peace into the midst of their storm. You don't have to have flowery words to talk to Jesus. He, he made you and created you. He knows how to talk with you. So just tell him that you'd like to begin the journey of walking with him. Ask him into your heart today in Jesus' name. And I want to encourage you to fill out one of those contact cards and just indicate that you've done this today and then turn it into the Welcome Center. If you do that, we're not going to make a big deal about it publicly, but we'd like to know if you ask Jesus into your heart. All right, for those of you who know Jesus and this message spoke to you, would you lift up your hands? Go ahead and stand with me. If this message spoke to you, would you just lift your hand up and we're going to pray God's blessing down on you. We're going to pray his peace into your heart and life. We're going to release right now comfort and joy and beauty for your ashes. For that morning, God's going to lift you up into a place, into a position of status in the kingdom of God. God is going to elevate you out of your ashes right now in Jesus' name. Father, you know every hurting heart. You know every cry in these children's minds and lives. Father, you've been leaning into them from the beginning of this message today. And Father, you're just right at hand. And we ask you, Lord, right now, come into every life, every heart, oh Father. Liberate us, free us, oh God. Give us peace and joy. Take away our anxiety and our fear and our doubt and our unbelief, God. Even now, rock our jails, Father. Loose our fetters from off our feet, God. Put our feet a skipping and jumping and dancing again, oh Lord. Make us so they're older, be like young people. Let us fly on wings of eagles, oh God, and let us soar in you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Just begin to thank him right now. Begin to praise him. Begin to show him gratitude for all he's about to do in your life. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We bless you. We adore you. We honor you. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In just a minute, we're going to begin to sing. But for anyone that I've left out and you want to make... Uh, and to be, uh, you want to be a, make me aware of an opportunity for you, Lord. There's an opportunity in your heart. If you haven't been ministered to, we have an awesome prayer team. They're the sweetest, most beautiful people in the world. And they're going to be back there in the back under the prayer banner. If you want prayer for anything in your life beyond what we prayed for, or even just an amen to what we prayed for, while we sing this again, feel free to go back and just have somebody pray for you. Let him lay the oil of joy on you and soothe you and pray over you. And after we sing, Sophia, I'm going to ask you to close. Oh, let's give God all the glory and all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.